he's referred to as the man in the back of the room and introduced as the voice of God. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, given Tony and Grammy award-winning celebrities direction, and lectured scads of students. But as he likes to point out, the event entertainment expert you don't know, you don't know, Anthony Bellata. And Bellatified. Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of Bolotified, the one and only podcast about events, entertainment, and engagement. This is episode 81. Welcome. I want to remind you that if you have any questions, please leave them at bolotta.com backsplash podcast, and we'll be sure to answer them soon. But let me just first say, hello, Alex. Hello, Anthony. Happy Monday to you. Happy Monday to you. It's a sideways Monday we've come to find out. (laughs) But we'll leave that aside for now. We have a really spectacular guest with us this morning. Go ahead and introduce her. Let's bring her Absolutely. Our guest today has over 20 years of event management experience. She and her team have planned and managed events for companies such as Qualcomm, Cisco, and Cox Communication, just to name a few. She generously donates her time to several organizations, such as the Monarch School, which is very near and dear to my heart, I have to add, and the American Cancer Society. Please welcome CEO of Sarah Brown Events, Miss Sarah Brown. Hey! Sarah! How are you? Happy Monday. Happy (laughs) Monday to you. Thank you for being on this podcast with us. Oh my gosh, I'm honored. We wanted to talk with you because uh, I've known you for 20 years, I believe maybe even longer than that. I can't believe you've been in business that long. Uh, And as you know, I consider you uh, among the best of the best in the world of meeting planning and event planning. Uh, You cross your T's, you dot your I's, and you do even more than that to make sure that your events go swimmingly smoothly so thank you for joining us well i learned everything i know from you that's what you keep telling me and i keep saying (laughs) i keep saying good job anthony (laughs) well you're very welcome (laughs) thank you thank you uh no seriously uh you you not only have a bevy of clients that you have uh uh, developed yourself in your own business, um, but you keep them year after year and grow them year after year, which means you're doing something right. Uh, but you also go above and beyond what most planners have done, uh, specifically with one show that we work on together in ensuring your uh, participation in that show. Uh, so can we can we start out there? Can I ask you a little bit yeah. more about uh, the Cox Business <laughs> Top Tech Awards? Uh, yeah, which, absolutely. Which you have now produced for 15 years. Wow. We are getting ready to have the 15th anniversary on September 22nd. And it hasn't been an easy ride for you, has it? I mean, all things considered in the last 15 years. No, I mean... I've grown and learned so much from that event um, on its own, but just building it from nothing into what it's become today has just been, it's been a journey, especially the last two years with COVID. 
So you, uh, the, uh, the gentleman that uh, began these awards, Larry Koval. Uh, Larry Koval, you began this event with him 15 years ago, but, but things changed since then and new ownership has come in. And I use the word ownership with quotations uh, mm -hmm. on the Cox business side. So there was a transition there for you. And how was that? Well, there's actually been several transitions over the years because when the event first started in 2007, um, it was the business journal that was producing it. And then it was in 2008 or 2009 that I went out on my own to start my own business. And that's when Larry basically handed it to me and said, help us produce this. Um, and over the course of 15 years, there's been changes in leadership on the marketing side, which is usually the department I work the most with in producing the event, and then also on the leadership side with the VP team. So yeah, I mean, it's it's always challenging when you've got a whole new crop of people that don't know the history of something that has been built over the years. Um, and, you know, it's hard to convince someone to fall in love with something you care so passionately about, mm -hmm. but um, it's going it's going well, it's going better. And I think the 15th year anniversary will help um, some of the people that have been in play on Top Tech over the last four years really see how important it is to San Diego's technology community as a whole. And um, is it fair to say that when that transition occurred, there was concern on your end that you would be invited back to participate in this event? Yeah, I mean, like most of the events that I do, they're corporate awards recognition programs or marketing programs. And, um, you know, it's my responsibility to really track the ROI and analytics of if an event is successful or not. And it's going to make sense to these large corporate companies that are spending hundreds and thousands of dollars for lead gen and networking. So when new leadership comes in, if they look at it as a cost center and don't really see it as like a revenue maker, then there's a problem. Um, and in this case, you know, it's also a corporate company's responsibility to track kind of where that revenue um, stream is going and what money is coming in. And um, yeah, it's just making, I wasn't sure really when the new leader came in if the event was going to continue just because it is so expensive. <laughs> yeah, but may I ask you what's, how you communicated the ROI back then to the new leadership? Uh, I don't know if I'm following your question. Uh, how were you able to prove there was ROI and, and what do you do to track that? Well, it's really, I mean, for me, it's just looking at the technology leaders as a whole, who is submitting nominations year after year, where is the community engagement? How are the technology leaders, you know, reacting to the marketing that we're doing. Um, and then on the back end, you know, tracking where the leads are coming from on nominations and seeing, you know, what percentage of nominees are actually attending the event. There's a lot of back end data on all of our platforms through the Top Tech Awards website and social media, um, pixel conversion, that sort of thing for us to really look at those numbers and also the attendance. I mean, when Top Tech first started, I think we only had 40 nominations and 300 people. And um, the last in-person event we had, we had like almost 300 nominations and I want to say 800 people. So it's continued mm -hmm. to evolve over the years. Wow. 
Yes, and you also talking about evolving during during the pandemic. You spent two years in the studio producing this live event as a virtual event. Uh, how was that for you? And what were some of the challenges that you overcame? Um, that was interesting. <laughs> I realized I'm not a technology leader. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you're leading the technology leaders. Yeah, right. I'll never forget. Actually, in 2020, the event has always been in Maine. In 2020, um, obviously, we pushed the event to the fall because that's what everybody in the industry was doing to kind of offset what was going on with the pandemic. Um, so it gave me extra time to take a fully in-person event and move it um, to a virtual situation. The challenge was that when you're doing a technology event for technology leaders, you have to make sure that it is engaging and I mean, these are like the cream of the crop people, right? You can't throw them in as, on a Zoom call. You can't throw them um, on a Teams call. It's got to be immersive and engaging. And we had paid sponsorships that were expecting a networking component. So we actually went to, um, we spent a lot of time researching different platforms and ended up with Verbella. And we basically built a virtual world for technology leaders to log into and um, create their own avatar and network and interact and engage. And then we pushed um, the virtual awards program and recognition program through that. And also the Top Tech Awards website for anybody that didn't wanna be in that virtual space. It was definitely the most challenging thing I've ever done in my career, <laughs> um, but also the most rewarding. And we still had like over six people log in as avatars to participate in this event and it was the first event of its kind in a virtual space um, of anything that we saw across the country in terms of recognizing people in a metaverse i guess is what they're calling it now <laughs> right right metaverse i like that and you made the decision to go to a studio to produce that. I remember back, yep. we had discussions about that. Uh, what drove you to make that decision rather than try to do it less expensively uh, without all of the studio technology? Well, again, learning from the best you, um, I believe in quality production. And when you're working with big corporate companies, um, to deliver an awards program, you want it to be engaging and you want it to be professional and polished. And, you know, I, I give a lot of credit to the AV companies that built studios to be able to produce a lot of the virtual events that were happening around the country. Um, it was a smart pivot and we were able to pre-record a great program um, that is still on, you know, YouTube and technology leaders still go back and look at. So I think that it's really the only way to go when you're in that situation. And then also having really professional talent like Heather Myers with CBS, who's a close partner of ours, just having somebody be able to deliver a quality awards program um, in a professional way is just so important, so. Um, would you say the consistency of using Heather and the same team in those two years helped you or hindered you in producing that event? Oh, 100% helped. I mean, there were, there were certain things during those years of so much unknown that I knew I had to stick to. And that was having people involved in the program that knew it really well. You being one of them, helping us script it together. 
Heather being able to deliver it, her being that familiar face. I mean, she's been our MC for the last five years and she's just such a pro. She, like I can throw anything at her and she gets up there and she delivers it and the tech leaders love her. Um, we had Nick Hardwick for a while, same thing. I think it mm-hmm. does, you know, when people get up and they see a face that they recognize and, you know, a f- it's like a friend they can trust and it's, you know, giving them an award. It's awesome. So mm-hmm. I definitely would say a hundred percent helped. I have to agree. One of the things from my point of view in that show was that you had Heather who we knew could deliver the script, however it came to her. She would embody it. She'd make it her own. And uh, we knew that the show had to be tighter because we were dealing with people who were not in our environment. They're in their own environments and they have very uh, limited attention spans to begin with so we knew that we had to have a tighter show and she was so right on with the timing and the 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 delivery and the flow because of her experience as a news anchor she she understands that you know which is a kudos to you honestly Mm -hmm. for understanding the the uh benefits of having a professional MC, somebody who understands flow and timing and delivery. Uh, it, you know, it really does make a difference. Yeah. I mean, it's critical. And I too, I mean, I went to school for journalism and broadcast news. So I think it was beneficial, um, during the pandemic to really look at these virtual awards programs from the eyes of the viewer. So instead of doing events where you think about what is the guest experience, you really had to shift focus to be like, you know, what is the experience through the viewer's eyes? And really MCs know how to look into a camera. They know how to deliver it. Production studios know how to put up the lower thirds and the graphics to make it, you know, eye-popping and catchy. And um, yeah, there's just things you got to leave to the professional. Yes. <laughs> See, I really like that. I, I applaud that and, and respect that because too often we all try to do everything on our own. But you knowing what to do, when to do it, and when to have other people come in is the mark of a good leader. That's right. Yeah. All right. So we're going to, we're going to change it up a little bit. We're going to do something we call the Belotified rapid question interview. I've got (laughs) 10 questions. Just going to, the first answer that comes to your mind, that's the right answer because there are no wrong answers. No wrong. Okay. Okay. You ready? (laughs) I'm ready. All right. You know, we're an entertainment company, so we want to know, who is your favorite singer? Ooh, I like Zach Brown. Mm. What's one activity you lose track of time doing? Drinking during happy hour. <laughs> <laughs> I like you. <laughs> Martini time. <laughs> Why does your nose run and your feet smell? Do you cry? (laughs) Yes. What is your favorite Broadway show? Um, Showboat. How long do you? That's an oldie. How long? (laughs) How long do you take in the shower? Fifteen minutes. Wow. Have you ever skinny dipped in the ocean? Yes. Yay! What takeout food do you order most? Greek. Did you say Greek? I did say Greek. Oh. What's the item 
what's the item on your to-do list that you never get to? Uh, organizing my closet. <laughs> and lastly, what's the first letter of your go-to expletive? F. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! I did it. You did it. You had great answers. Great answers. I love Showboat. I got to tell you. It was the first Broadway play my mom took me to see in New York City, and I've loved it ever since. Wow. And it's a classic, too. Jerome Kern. And who wrote the music for Jerome Kern and... Is it just Jerome Kern? You'll have to look that up for me. I don't know. I will. And I, my husband is like a huge Les Mis fan. So I'm sure he's probably like, answer. <laughs> a huge Les Mis fan. That's so depressing. I know. And he like puts the music on at home. It's hard. <laughs> well, I can top that actually, because when I moved into this house, I had a neighbor who at the time, the neighborhood wasn't as good as it is now. And he was a crack addict and he lived in the back house and he would start doing crack in the evening, of course, and then play the Phantom of the Opera. Oh, my goodness. All the way through and then back to the beginning and then all the way through all night long. And it would just waft through my bedroom window. Oh, my goodness. Like, oh, he's at it again. So let's talk about your business. Uh, okay. In 2009, you left the corporate world and you decided to start your own business. What was the motivation back then? Um. Well, I had worked doing corporate awards recognition programs for two years, and I actually had a lot of sponsors coming to me asking if I could do their events for them. And so since I was in a non-compete with um, business journal, I couldn't do that, but I was very open with the publisher at the time, Armin Mills about my dreams to eventually have my own business. And he really supported me on that journey. So in 2008, when, you know, the economy started taking, it was kind of a perfect time for us to sit down and figure out a deal and, basically went to him and said, I'll go out on my own and business journal can be my first client and you can pay me less than what you would cover me for a salary. And that's basically how I built my business because every single corporate company was laying off marketing, you know, departments and event staff. That was the first thing to go, but they still needed a way to push their product and messaging out. And so it was cheaper for them to outsource events to me than it was to carry a person full time. So I grew uh, timing is everything. Yes, it, it is. Mm-hmm. It's a very smart move to make at that time because it's exactly right. When companies start downsizing, they need outside resources. And there you are. Here yeah. I am. Here I am. Now, with the the business, uh, there are other things that you have to deal with, right? Other than managing and planning events uh, like your accounting and your you know, your taxes and how do you find those elements of business to be? How do you handle them? I mean, I just had a conversation with somebody on Friday telling them that I feel like I'm always learning. I don't feel like you ever stop learning in business. And it's kind of like plotties. The more you do it, the harder it is. Um, 
you know, I'm, I'm fortunate that I have a really hot accountant husband that takes care of all of my <laughs> finances and that books for help. me. Um, but I recently, you know, got an attorney and I'm putting, you know, better business systems and processes in place and bringing on staff and help. And um, yeah, I mean, owning a business is not for the faint of heart. Like there's always something. Um, but it's just, you know, figuring out my time and and relying on the professionals again, like well, you my accountant and my lawyer. <laughs> well, can I ask you a question? It, it, it being that, you know, you do work closely with your husband and you own a business, which we know can be a 24-7 task. How do you balance yeah. all of that? I mean, I always put my clients first. And so a lot of my bookkeeping usually comes last, but um, he's good at, I, I don't know what I would do if I didn't have them because it's a lot of like, you don't know what you don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. Especially when you go into business. So like the accounting stuff, like what I need to contribute to a SEP or, you know, what my invoicing should look like or the benefits of becoming an LLC versus being a sole prop. These are things that I have to be coached on. It's not like I remember this from school. Um, Never so, taught. Yeah. It's yeah. Not, I mean, yeah. Really. I mean, yeah. And so it's, you know, I learned the hard way too. Like, oh, I got to make sure I invoice this person because there are bills still coming in. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I haven't figured out a perfect science yet. Have you had any issues with any of your clients getting paid or uh, anything that's led to litigation or close to litigation that you've had to settle or deal with in the no. 12 or so years? Good oh my you. gosh. Thank goodness. Yeah. No. Um, but I've learned I've learned about billing, um, like new clients that come on the fact that, you know, everyone just thinks it's X, Y, and Z for an event and they can be total time sucks. And so some of my clients are put on a retainer and some of them are hourly and some of them are, you know, flat fees, the events I've done for a long time. I know exactly how, you know, much time it's going to take and new clients you don't. So, and it's, it's learning some of that along the way. I think that's why I say it's, we're always learning. One of the things that I have found that I've had an issue with as I've been in business, you know, for many, many years is the repeat clients, not in so much as having them, because it's great to have repeat clients. It's the informality that starts to creep into the relationship because you become so, you know, tight. So that for me has been an issue where I'm, I'm not as fastidious about the billing or about the proposing because we're back in the same cycle again that we've been in and we all pretty much know the game but that I have come to learn myself as a trap yeah I mean and Mm -hmm. even like these big corporate companies some of them are net 45 net 60 net 90 and so when you're working on huge projects like you really have to look at you know making sure you invoice those people and then the other headache is, for example, I just changed to an LLC. So getting reestablished in everyone's vendor system under a different EIN and as an LLC, I'm just like, why did I decide to do right. this? Right. Well, you'll 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 understand better when tax time comes along. <laughs> yeah, right now know, it's a pain, right? right? I yeah. know. Those numbers. <laughs> but congratulations to you. That's a big step. Yeah, yeah it's Thank a big you. step. And it's I think I think it's the right step. I I did it in in 2000 uh, and I don't regret it. You know, it was a bit of a, it felt like a gamble at the time. I'm sure it might feel like that to you right now because it's uncharted territory, but Mm -hmm. you know, I think that you'll see, well, your accountant husband's not going to steer you wrong. (laughs) I hope not. 
You better not. <laughs> I know where he lives. <laughs> we have a series of questions, another series of questions that we called the Fide Five. And uh, these are you know, questions to sort of dig into you a little bit, if you don't mind, and get to know you and how you operate. Uh, so first question is, what is your three-legged stool? What are the tenets, three tenets you live by? Um, always work with integrity, um, deliver more than what's promised. And I think I really always try to um, treat every client's event as if it were my own. By giving it every ounce of attention you possibly can. Oh my gosh, this is why I'm getting gray hairs. <laughs> <laughs> At the ripe old age of whatever it is. I know what yeah. it is, but I'm not going to say. 25. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. I started business when I was 10. <laughs> yes, I know. The same time I did. <laughs> so yeah. since you've been doing this since you were 10, what and you've become so successful what is the one daily habit that you strongly believe contributes to your success that you have other than taking a lot of deep breaths probably just trying to remain flexible and it's it's been something that i've had to learn over the years for sure just it's an ever changing industry events are ever changing vendors are ever changing there's always something that's changing so um trying to remain flexible and patient are probably very key daily factors. Is this, is this something you might um, consider after a conversation or at the end of the day, if you feel like you haven't been so patient or, uh, you know, will you, will you sort of check yourself and say, tomorrow I have to do better? Is that? Yeah. I mean, and not every day is perfect. I have to be patient, flexible with myself too, Mr. Bellotta. Yes, you do, Ms. Sarah Brown. <laughs> yes. That's right. Well, that's the um, hard, probably the hardest thing too, right? Right, exactly. One of the four agreements written about by uh, Luis Miguel is that to always do your best, but to acknowledge that your best isn't always the same every day. It differs. Mm -hmm. So, oh, I love uh, that. yeah. So your best, as long as you're always trying to do your best, and by by mere uh, just by the, the fact that you're taking time to think about your day and you're reflecting on your day and the things that you can do better, that's doing your best. Yeah. That's part of it, you know? Yeah. So thank you for that. All right. So what do you tell yourself when no one else is listening? Um, you've got, you've got this. <laughs> <laughs> I also say the same, like something similar to my clients when I say I've got you. Um, it's kind of like my motto. And You've then, got this. I've got you. Yep. Daily affirmations. Like Daily affirmations. Mine are, you're live, you're beautiful. <laughs> and gosh darn it, people like, people you. like me. <laughs> right, 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 right. Nice. I know. It's, yeah, I mean, when you run a company, you don't have like leadership above you telling you, you know, if you're doing something right or great. So I think it's important that we start a hard day just on positive. Yeah. Do you so have affirmations taped up or do they just, they're running in your head all the time? They're just running in my head. Yeah. 
Maybe so, I should tape some up. My office is very bare, as you can see. <laughs> There's room for some affirmation. There. <laughs> There's like not even a picture on the wall. Yeah, I didn't like yeah, this time. <laughs> well, this is also a new office, which is a change for yeah. you, right? In the last yeah. would has it been a year yet? Um, no, I mean I had an office last summer and then I just moved into this one in June. So and, I love it. And that was logistically necessary to keep the yeah. peace. Yeah, that and speaking about balance. Yeah, exactly. And having a new employee, which is something else that we wanted to ask you. How is that going? It's going great. And yes, getting away from my uh, CPA husband is a very good thing on a daily basis. Um, Yes, Claire Smith with uh, Point Loma Nazarene. She's a senior. She wants to go into event management, has been a part of my team for a couple of months, and she's just absolutely fantastic and has such a great positive attitude and a willingness to learn that I feel is hard to find nowadays. I'm so, so pleased for you. Yeah. And I wish you the best on this journey with your first employee. And, and I'm not being facetious in any way because I know what a difficult this decision has been for you. Yeah. And, you know, you've been in business 12 years and, the, you know, longer than that. And you, you finally like said, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get an assistant and uh, see how that works out. And yeah, I mean, I, I thank you because I think we sat down and had lunch and I was stressed out about it and you recommended her coming to work for uh, me at an event to really see, you know, how she would do. And that was basically her first interview and she walked in and hit the floor running and I haven't regretted it ever since. So thank you, know, you again. <laughs> absolutely. You, you know, immediately, don't you? Yeah. In, this, yeah. in this business, you know who yeah. is going to be great and who is just going to slide by and be yeah. end up being a liability. So sure. I, I just wish it, you a long, long uh, relationship with her and um, and the wisdom to know when it's time for her to move on and for you to move on, because that's also part of it. Uh, you've got to let people be who they are and do what they yeah. do. And as a business owner, we, we tend to feel like mothers and fathers and speakers <laughs> because that's you know that's yeah part of it, but at the well end of- that says a lot too though about both of you when you care that deeply for people and and you know those working for you know that well, and you. that says a lot about loyalty both ways and it and and especially when you're mentoring right as Anthony, you do, you mentor everybody. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter how knowledgeable anybody is. Once they're coming in to you, you're mentoring them and giving them your years of experience. So that's, you know, that's just setting uh, people up for success, which is really an awesome thing. Yeah, I second that. And Anthony, you know, you're doing a good job mentoring when the people you mentor want to turn around and mentor too. That's true. Thank Ooh, you. Nice that's true. point. That's a good one. Now you yeah. got me right. You got me right in the heart with that one. <laughs> oh, good. So my next question, you can't use this now as the example because we just talked about a new employee, but what's the last time you tried something new, something else? Oh, well, so I just tried Pilates for the first time at the end of May and I'm like addicted, which is so funny because I used to go by those places and think, what are they doing in there? And that looks terrifying. <laughs> um, and now I love it. And I actually am having my 30th class today. <laughs> I know. Are you like using the reformers or is it? Yeah. Yeah. I've always wanted to try that. 
oh my gosh, come, I will take you. Cause that's what I said for forever. And now it, my only regret is that I didn't start it 10 years ago, but it's, it's just so fun. And then how do you feel afterward? Amazing stretched mm. out and beat up, <laughs> and, but feeling great. Yeah, no, it's good. It's like something to get rid of the stress. So that always helps. So you tried it. Uh, when did you start? In May. And tonight's your 30th class mm -hmm. and you're going to continue on. Mm -hmm. Found a new yes, friend. I've made, I've made really good friends with the owner. <laughs> of and course I've like, whole entire, I've got my whole entire neighborhood going now. So I get all these referral fees. So my goal is to get to a point where I don't have to pay for it at all. Cause I have so much business going his way. <laughs> you're so entrepreneurial. <laughs> I know. I just wanted to discount. You know, that actually brings, <laughs> but that actually brings to mind a question that I haven't asked you yet. And that's about sponsorship and the fact that as part of what you're doing, at least with some of your clients, you are handling the sponsorship. And as I remember, that wasn't something you really wanted to do in the beginning, no. but tell me about how that's enhanced your business and how that's helping your business. The fact that you've developed these relationships with the sponsors and are now they're the face of the event. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I don't love soliciting revenue for clients when I'm also trying to like produce an event and track everything else. Like there's gotta be some line there. Um, that, and I always get nervous that if I'm soliciting sponsors for one client, that other clients are going to want that same level of sponsorship or that, you know, mm -hmm. the same amount of money or it just, I've always tried to just stay away from it because it gets messy. I think the difference with top tech is that I've been a part of it for so long that the tech leaders and the technology companies in San Diego, like I have a relationship with all these people. And so it's easy for them to just call and I can give them the information on the event and then it moves forward. It doesn't have to go through, you know, marketing departments that have turned over that, they don't necessarily know all the ins and outs of the event or what can be sponsored. Um, there is perks to it. I mean, again, those relationships and the fact that the sponsorship kind of just comes to the event brand. Um, I don't love it, honestly. But it's genius. <laughs> I, don't though, feel I, mean, like it's... I'm a, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm a salesperson, which is weird to say when you're a business owner. Like, I don't go out and solicit myself as like a event person like it's all word of mouth and people seeing what I produce that that's how the business comes in so to go and solicit sponsorship dollars is not comfortable yeah no I don't think that I would be comfortable either to be quite honest with you but it is powerful in that it does put you in their path in their face and they uh without having to sell your own services and your capabilities you're doing that right through, you know no, that's true yeah because some of the sponsors that have participated have then turned into clients there you go um, <clears throat> yeah. yeah i just and, i don't know San Diego is so great in terms of like the tech community yeah. too just good people well also you know there's we we cannot pretend that when you bring in money that's very powerful and when you have those connections with sponsors that's very very powerful and uh when it comes down to something like who's going to take on this event who is the planner we're going to work with this planner here who has the relationship with all of our sponsors or this new planner 
who doesn't have those relationships and she may not even know how to cultivate them or even maintain them. Uh, it's just a very powerful position to be in. And, and maybe it's one that you, you find that you have to play that card, yeah. but hopefully you never have to because people realize, oh, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, sponsors are so important in this corporate event space that, um, I just, I, I, I do take a lot of time at events, making sure that sponsors are happy too, just because they're, you know, supporting the initiative and the tech leaders. So yeah, sponsors are critical. 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 So how old would you be if you didn't know how old you are? Hmm. Like 30. Like old enough that you have like a little bit more confidence. And you're not entirely stupid, but you can still go out and have a good time and not have a headache the next morning. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you had kids when you were 30, did you? Yes, I had, okay. yes. You had one. I had one. One, you had one, yeah. Oh my okay. God. Who just started seventh grade today. So they get older. Everybody can do the math on that one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I can't even believe it. I know. Goes by fast. Sarah, what is your why? What gets you going? What excites you and really motivates you? I mean, I love what I do. And I I think about it every single day. Like as I say here, looking at my office window, I remember the Coronado Library was my office in April of 2009 when I started my business. And I used to sit there and try to build a website and set up email and figure out who I was going to reach out to first to, you know, help with their event. And I remember sitting there thinking someday I'll be in an office and I'll have clients and I'll have employees. And I don't know. I just, I think, I, I think back about how far I've come and that's my why. And also my girls, my daughters, just showing them that like, you know, love what you do, be passionate about what you do. You can do anything. Don't let anyone tell you you can't because I did. I'm doing it. So if I can show them that, then that's, that's good. And one other thing that you, you've never been afraid to do, and that is to ask questions. And as, as Alex pointed out earlier, to rely on professionals, uh, the worst thing that the worst mistake I, I, anybody could make in owning a business is to think that you know it all and can do it all. And there isn't anybody that can you know, come to your level. That is the absolute wrong way to go. Uh, right. You, you understand that in spades. Um, yeah. And, um, and it's authentic as well, you know, and that's why it's such a pleasure to work with you because you don't beat around the bush. You're very authentic. You stay where your needs are, and then you let the professionals do what they need to do. It's not like they go willy nilly, you check and you make sure, things are on, <laughs> you know. but um, it's a really, it's a really productive way to work and uh, also very pleasant, you know, and as the world gets crazier and people get crazier and deadlines get crazier, yeah. you know, your team is your support, right? So. Uh, yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm only as good as the people that I work with and that's vendors and the business relationships that I have within the industry. So, I mean, 
yeah, I don't have, no one has time for BS, like we're just gonna get job done. And I really hold the relationships I have with my vendors to heart. I mean, any corporate company that I sit down with, I tell them that I've got, you know, an arsenal of powerful people that help put things together. And when you can trust in those professionals, such as yourself and production companies, you can deliver excellence over and over again. I've heard a lot of planners say, now that live is coming back, I am never doing virtual again. I think it's a little short-sighted. What are you What are you thinking now about virtual events and how your events will be impacted? Um, I mean, never say never. Um, right. I learned a lot. I feel like now I've got a playbook. Um, so I gained knowledge there. Um, I don't think it's ideal considering most of my business is, you know, corporate recognition programs. I don't think it's ideal to recognize somebody in front of a computer screen. There's something about the applause of your peers um, when you win an award. So I would say I hope that we never have to do a virtual awards program again. But if we did, technology is ever changing and an amazing thing. And, you know. I did what I thought I couldn't do in 2020 and then again in 2021. So it's doable. It won't kill us. It won't kill us. Right. (laughs) What about hybrid events? Do you see them on your horizon at all having to mix the two and not for me specifically, but I think that they are not going to go anywhere because corporate companies realize that, you know, people that didn't want to travel, people that were introverted, people that didn't need to travel, Um, this is a way for people to still get content and information without having to go somewhere. I mean, a perfect example is I look at my husband who has to take these CPE classes and he's able to do them in his pajamas. You know, he doesn't have to go and sit in a conference room for eight hours in an uncomfortable chair and eat, you know, a crappy turkey sandwich that a company is paying like oodles of money for when he can sit down, watch it and do it on his own time and still accomplish the same goal without these corporate companies like doling out a bunch of money. So I think that for people to say that hybrid's going to go away, virtual is go away, that you're not really looking at, you know, some of the economic benefits that happen for corporate companies during the pandemic, like the pandemic wasn't all bad. Like we learned a lot. Mm-hmm. From this. And I think yes. corporate companies learned, you know, where to trim fat too. Mm-hmm. That was very well said. Yep. Thank very you. well said very and and cpe credits is um is this is the hot spot for virtual right yeah, now it's learning sense. it's it's easy it's much easier to consume information you're so right on a computer screen than it is to accept an award and feel appreciated for the work that you've done mm-hmm. it's a much much bigger leap any last words anything else that you'd like to share this has been a really incredible conversation, but maybe there's something you've left behind that you'd like to just put on the table before we say adieu. No, I mean, I just, I thank you for inviting me on and Alex, it's always good to talk to you. And Anthony, I just think the world of you, I feel fortunate that I've had a mentor like you over the years. And I'm so glad that we get to work together in a professional capacity and become friends too. So kudos on all you're doing in your business. You guys are just kicking butt too. Well, thank you. I'm just really flattered by that because you've taken whatever little information I've given you and just run and uh, done incredible things. And, you know, you're still young. You've got a lot of 
years ahead to do even more oh. spectacular things. <laughs> I don't want to do this forever, Anthony. <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> well, at least until you do some really, really incredible, challenging things. And then you can yeah. even more so. So awesome. thank you for joining us, Sarah Brown, Sarah Brown Events. And that's sarahbrownevents.com. Sarah with no H. With no H.com. But lots of hell. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you Fire. for joining us. No, oh, thanks for having me. Have a good day, you guys. You too. You too. Hey, friends. Thank you so much for listening. We had just one little favor to ask you. In our show notes, we put a survey. We'd like to know who you are. Would you mind filling out the survey for us? Just a few short questions, that's all. Thanks. Thanks for listening. <laughs>